Can Jesus' methods of ministry inform how we love our neighbor? Specifically, how can we love our LGBT neighbor based on Jesus' example? That's what we're going to be discussing today on Christ's Culture and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Hello, Tyler. Hello, it's good to be back. It is good to be back with you. Now, um, we do want to let our our audience know about a little bit of a change here to the show in this episode. Uh, normally, we start off with a coffee tip, but we're not going to do that today, are we? No, we are not. We're going to wait. for the end. Yeah, you get to wait until the very end of the episode for the coffee tip, if that's what you're excited about. So um, mm-hmm. we do want to uh, encourage you to obviously listen until the end because this coffee tip today is kind of a strange one. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. It's fun. Yeah. But um, one thing we really would like for our audience to do is join our Facebook page. Go yes, on there. Right. If you go on Facebook and you type in Christ Culture Coffee, we'll come up, like our page, but then Join our group. We have a Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders group. The link's right on our page. It says join the group. And um, we want you to be a part of it because we're having a lot of conversations on there with people. Mm-hmm. We're putting out exclusive content on there. Um, we actually have a podcast episode that we do. Yes, we do, actually. And there's there's a lot more content that we're planning on releasing. We just we want to keep growing our followers. That way there's more uh, people to distribute the content to. Mm-hmm. And so we would love for you to be a part of that. Um, we're looking into getting some uh, Q&A stuff going eventually and some more exclusive content that we're really looking forward to. Yeah. We're excited about interacting with you guys on there. So make sure you go on Facebook, look up Christ Culture Coffee, like our page, but definitely join the CCNC Insiders group because that's where you can ask questions, you can dialogue with other people about episodes, and we have exclusive content on there. Uh, we have that episode on there, you can only find on there, uh, yes. is about boycotting and, and should Christians boycott companies that do things that we disagree with. So if you want to hear that episode, the only place to do it is in our Insiders group. So please go join our Facebook page and group. All right, enough about that. Let's move on to the subject for today. Now, um, mm-hmm. over this past month, we have been focusing on um, LGBTQ issues because it's Pride Month. And as Christians, we need to know how to respond to this um, cultural movement. And we need to know um, what, what we can do to love people well while we disagree with, with their behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and this is this is the last episode that we're going to be discussing for um, the Pride Month, just for yeah. this series currently, and uh, that's why we wanted to talk about that and interacting with um, uh, the our LGBT neighbor in yes. this episode because uh, we just feel it's fitting to wrap up the apologetics that we've learned and we've discussed and find a way to, ways to apply it. And there's a lot of ways in Scripture that we're going to be talking about today as well. Yeah, definitely. And and the thing is, is like. We, we Okay, we've covered what the Bible says and that homosexuality is, is wrong. Uh, we've covered why the Bible says it, right, with all mm-hmm. the science behind it and how damaging it is to people's health. And it's a destructive behavior, and I don't want people um, to, to engage in behaviors that are bad for them. I want people to flourish, and I want people to have life. Um, we've talked about you know the transgender issue and, and living with gender dysphoria and the damage that that can cause. Um, but today, yeah, we really want to get into— okay, Okay, so with all of this knowledge, with all of this info, 
what do we do, right? Where, where mm-hmm. do we go with this? As, as Christians living in the 21st century in America, what do we do with this? And how can we go out into our culture standing for truth, but also loving people the way that Jesus has called us to? Mm, yeah. And so that's what this episode is going to be about, more of a practical episode on how we apply the things we've been learning. Um, the, the greatest commandment, Jesus says, you remember this? In Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And he says, love God with all your mind, soul, strength, right? Heart, mm-hmm. mind, strength, yeah. And, um, and then he said, and the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And on those two things, all of the law hinges, right? And as Christians, this is our law. Love God with everything you have and love other people. If you're loving other people, you're not going to steal from them. If you're loving other people, you're not going to kill them. If you're loving – right? I mean, okay. So that's what we're to do um, as Christians. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how does that apply to the LGBTQ community? How do I love my LGBTQ neighbor? Yeah. and Well, well, I think uh, the easiest way to look into this is by looking through Scripture and seeing exactly how Jesus – reached out to someone he didn't agree with on a significant issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. And there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of passages where we see Jesus doing this. Um, but this passage from John chapter 4 is just very significant, and that's what we kind of want to dive into today and see what we can learn from how mm, Jesus yeah. reached out to someone he, he fundamentally disagreed with some big issues on. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, just for a little bit of context with this passage, uh, it's focusing on the woman at the well. And this is during the time of uh, the Samaritans and the Jews and um, having a bit of conflict with each other uh, because the Samaritans were a half-breed of Jews and foreigners that dated back to the Assyrian exile in 722 BC. Yeah, the Jews uh, did not view Samaritans favorably. There was, it was, it was a yeah. very much a racial issue, an impurity issue, um, because the Samaritans had um, uh, assimilated and mixed with some uh, Assyrian blood. So they were right, like half right. Jew, uh, half Assyrian. Uh, so they were looked down upon by the Jews. And they knew that. They knew that they were looked mm-hmm. down upon as, as this minority who did things that they they weren't supposed to do. So, yeah, definitely that's, that's what's going on with Samaritans and Jews. Well, and it's funny, Tyler, because you remember when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Then you got that, and this is my interpretation, but you got that smart aleck guy in the back who's like, well, who's my neighbor, right? <laughs> I want to do the least amount possible, so tell me, who's my neighbor, just so I can check the box, right? <laughs> and then Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan. Right, yeah. Remember? Which would have, man, the people hearing that would not have liked that story. Oh, that would Because yeah. they despise Samaritans so much, and he's the only one who does the right thing. Not the priest, not the Levite, right? The the Samaritan, ugh. He's the one who did the right thing by this guy and helped him. And so Jesus is pointing out that you need to love people who are around, and you need to love everybody, even the people that you really despise. Mm, yes, and so it's a good story, but how did Jesus interact with Samaritans, right? And that's yeah. that's kind of what we're going to get to with this. But yeah, they were definitely despised uh, in their day. Yeah, well, I mean, even even further than that, they they wouldn't even travel through Samaritan towns. They were they, no. we were talking about they were yeah, yeah Jews like, wouldn't go through Samaria, even though it was a shorter route to yeah, some stuff in yeah. Israel. They'd go the long way around. That's how much they despised the Samaritans. Exactly. And so, so that's another part of what makes this passage so significant, too, is because Jesus directly goes through mm-hmm. this part, and that's how he finds the Samaritan woman. He goes to Samaria, yeah. He shouldn't have... Uh, well, yeah. a lot of Jews in his day wouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, the, the woman at the well 
culturally speaking, was at a lower place in society. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like, for, and for her to come to the well in the middle of the day, it was also not typical. So for her to and Jesus to meet up, that was kind of unlikely because Jews would not interact with them. No, Jews wouldn't interact yeah. with Samaritans. A Jewish man definitely wouldn't interact with no. a Samaritan yeah. woman. Um, and yeah, she, like you, you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, we see in the, the text here, which we're going to read in John four, she comes during the middle of the day. Um, and, and the reason this is odd is because, uh, usually women would go in the morning or in the evening when it was cooler to get water. So for some reason, she's avoiding the other women from her town. Um, and we kind of we learn why she wasn't really um, she she wasn't only a Samaritan woman, but even in Samaria she was looked down upon because of her sin and the sin issues, and she right. she felt so ostracized from her own culture that she um, that she secluded herself even as to when she'd go get water. She would rather go through the hot time of the day dragging water out of a well than to go and be around other women who despised her. Yeah, so that's, that's significant to the context of what's happening here. Yeah, so she doesn't feel loved or respected. So how does Jesus handle this situation with the Samaritan woman? And that's, that's what we want to look at. Yeah, yeah, and so we could go ahead and read the passage. Yeah, so John 4, um, I'm going to read verses 7 through 15. It says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and he said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and he said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. Hmm. All right, so what is going on in this passage? Uh, This is is fascinating. Number one, Jesus goes into Samaria. He's all alone at this well because the disciples go into town for food. And then this lone Samaritan woman comes to the well at a weird time of day because she doesn't want to be around the other women of her town. And what does Jesus do, Tyler? What's the first thing that he does? Yeah, he makes himself vulnerable to her, right? Yes, he right? makes yes. that. He instead oh, we talked about this earlier. Instead, it's really fascinating because instead of him coming forward and asking and basically asking her if she needed help or offering himself as a to serve her, which is fine. He he ended up taking a different approach. He made himself vulnerable to her, and he said, "No, can you help me? I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink?" And yeah. the, I think this is significant, Robbie, because it's cool seeing this because it appears as though Jesus is trying to make himself vulnerable in the sense of he's needing something from her. Right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to expose himself and be like, "Hey, look, I'm 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 the same as you. I'm human. It's mm-hmm. hot. I, like." I just need a drink. Can you help me out? And I, yeah, and what was she expecting, yeah. right? Because she she tells him, what are you doing? This isn't socially acceptable. You being a Jew, asking me? Her expectation yeah. was seeing a Jewish man sitting by the well to be ignored. 
Yeah. Right? And then she gets there, and um, instead of Jesus saying, oh, you dirty Samaritan woman, you horrible human being, he says, hey, you have something to offer me. You can help me. You are valuable to me, right? And I think that that is uh, fascinating. That is something that that I don't see a lot of people doing, right? And I think I think a principle we can gain from this is that people from all walks mm-hmm. of life have something to offer, right? Yeah. So his approach was to build a relationship based on. Uh, asking for something he needed, not from being arrogant and acting superior to her, which is what she was expecting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just cool because you could see that she's clearly amazed that Jesus, being this Jewish man, comes before her and is like, hey, you know, I, I need something from you. And mm-hmm. that, that alone, too, is significant because it's not only, like you said, it's not even just the, that he didn't curse her and that he was just actually having a conversation, but he's requesting something of her. Yeah. Like that's, that's really, really interesting there. And well, I, and have you seen, like, um, so so I, this has happened to me a lot when I've talked with Muslims or homosexuals or yeah. Mormons. They get around cause, because, again, <laughs> treating people with respect and dignity and loving them the way Jesus is here, um, you hear people say stuff like, man, you're not like, you're not like one of those Christians, you know, you're not, you're not <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. And, um, you, you can almost imagine this woman saying, oh man, you're not like those most Jews, you know, you're not, you're, you're different. You're, you're kind. You, <laughs> you yeah, ask yeah. for me to help you. Um, and, and this is, this is significant for us when it comes to loving our LGBTQ neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. No, obviously this isn't a, the same thing as a racial issue. Well, uh, no, yeah. but, but, but. Um, yeah, the, the the LGBTQ issue, it's not racial. We talked about that, right? Because homosexuality is a behavior yes, yes. where skin color is not a behavior. But this woman, as, as we'll see, was also very sexually promiscuous. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So it, it, even as a Jewish rabbi who's supposed to be holy, not to touch unclean things, Jesus is putting his lips on on the same vessel that an unclean, adulterous Samaritan woman has drank out of. Right. Yeah. Now, that's not kosher. <laughs> no. Literally. No. <laughs> right? It's not. That's, it's that's not good context kosher. of a joke there. Yeah. Well, but it isn't. It's not, <laughs> it's it's not, not yeah. kosher. And so, um, again, you, you see Jesus not caring about mm. other people's opinions, not caring about perception of others, right, and not caring about traditions of men because loving people mm. is more important than that. Now, again, he wasn't breaking God's yeah. law with this, but he was breaking uh, Jewish ceremonial laws. You know what? Right, we, that were yeah. made by the by the Pharisees. And I think I think uh, you you said it, Robbie. I think uh, like he really touches on uh, being upfront about truth in this, mm-hmm. and especially in the next pa- part part of the passage. If we want to. Co- yeah, we can go there. I do think the f- the first thing we want to take away, though, is Jesus right. makes himself vulnerable to this woman because he knows she has something to offer him. He's willing to drink out of the cup of an adulterous Samaritan woman, which blew her yes. mind. She goes, this shouldn't be. And then he says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask for living water. And she says, I'm in. Like, how do I get this living water? What is this? Because I don't want to keep coming down to this well anymore, right? Yes. And so, yeah, let's go Let's go ahead into the next section. Um, you want to go ahead and read verses 16 through 19? Yeah, yeah. And so starting at 16, says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. 
for you have had five husbands, and the, only, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where the people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such such people to worship him. And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah. is, this is interesting. What goes on here? Jesus says, give me a drink, right? The woman says, you shouldn't do this. This isn't socially acceptable. Yeah. This is mind-blowing. Then he says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for something really special. And then she says... Um, give me this living water. And now Jesus does something here fascinating. He says, well, why don't you go get your husband? <laughs> yeah. He obviously, because of what he says, he obviously knows her sexual past. He obviously knows her marital past. He obviously knows her divorce history, right? Mm-hmm. So what is he doing there? He's, he's doing something to expose the sin in her life. He tells her, go get your husband. And she supplies, uh, mm, uh, she replies to him, I, you know what? I don't have a husband she's had five and she's living with a dude, right? So she technically, she doesn't have a husband, right? Yeah. But she doesn't come forward with the whole truth. (laughs) (laughs) So she says, "Uh, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says, man, you are so honest. You're right. You've had five and the guy you're shacking up with now, you're not even married to. (laughs) This is not good for her because a a, a rabbi, right, a religious Mm -hmm. leader is calling her out on her multiple sins. And obviously she's at, she's fornicating with the guy, right? Or yeah, adultery, yeah. depending on where he's at with stuff. So this is not kosher at all. And, and even in Samaritan culture, this wasn't okay. This right, is yeah. the reason she's going to the well in the, in the middle of the day because the other women in her, in her city know what type of a woman she is. Yeah, yeah. So and now you, you, you've, you've complicated the issue a little bit because not only is she a Samaritan woman, but she's she's very promiscuous. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, not only that, you also see um, just the way that Jesus stands up for truth mm-hmm. in the way he talks to her. Yep. It's, it, it's really unique. But that, when you're seeing this, though, it, there's like there's no hostility here. You can see that it's just seeing that. The woman's just still having a conversation. She doesn't. She doesn't like like curse him in the runoff. No, but it's I, like. And think about how he did it, Tyler. Yeah. Like he asks her a question. Okay, now that's great apologetics method, right? Yeah. Um, oh, no, he doesn't ask her. He tells her, go get your husband, right? Well, yeah. And then she says, I don't have a husband. And then he affirms that she is a truth teller. Right, he, yeah. Right? You're telling the truth. Good for you. That's so good to be honest because you've had fought. I mean, then right. he lays into her. Not lays into her, but exposes her sin. So Jesus didn't have a problem standing for truth. And I think that's mm-hmm. something we can learn from this when we're when we're engaging with the the, the LGBTQ community is uh, we, we can stand for truth in a way that's not mean, even affirming aspects of of what they're seeking, right? It's it's yeah. it's a yeah. it's a human thing to seek to be loved. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's that's not that's not just a Christian thing. Humans need to be loved. We desire unconditional love from God. And and we're all seeking it out, right? Some are seeking it out in healthy manners and some are seeking it out in unhealthy manners. But to affirm that, yeah, look, we all do just want to be loved. And we all are made to express love to somebody else. Yeah, right. I, I completely agree with you. Now, there's appropriate ways to do that. But see, that's kind of what Jesus is doing. He's affirming her where he can, but he's also holding her accountable uh, to her sin. He exposes the truth of her sinful uh, behavior. Yeah, yeah. And then um, just what's cool about that, too. I mean, uh, what's really interesting about this whole situation is just um, you even see after that uh, when he's talking, uh, when he exposes this from her uh, about her husband's and her sexual history, mm-hmm. uh, basically she, she changes the subject. Yeah, to talk she, about <laughs> she says, yeah. I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> well, let me ask you a theological question. Wait yeah. a second. We were just talking about <laughs> your husband's and the guy you're living with. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It is funny. Yeah, you're right. She totally changes the yeah, subject. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And so she, she basically takes this re- like relativistic approach and she's saying, oh, well, you say, uh, the Jews say you should worship on this mountain. We say we should worship on this mountain. Like basically, it's kind of like like saying, yeah, yeah, well, we, we worship what we worship. You do what you do. Yeah. Like, and it's like, yeah. But, but then Jesus, when he, he refuses this approach basically and he says, no, the Jews are right. Yeah, salvation is from right? the Jews. Jerusalem's the place you're supposed to worship. Yeah. You guys, are, so he, uh, once again, he stands up for what's true. Yeah, and that's that's really interesting to see. It's just yeah. it's a whole he new d- approach. But he does it he does it in in such a convincing way to her, you know. So he stands up for that and he talks about worship and then he talks about the future and that it's not going to be about a geographical location, but it's going to be in yeah. spirit and in truth. Yeah. And then she says, "Yeah, I know about that." Now this is interesting. She's got some good theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know about that and I know when the Messiah comes, he who's called the Christ, you're right? Mm-hmm. When when he comes, he'll declare all these things to us. He's going to he's going to explain it. He's going to set the record straight. And then Jesus says, "That's me. That's what I'm doing right now with you. I am the Messiah." And and the story goes on, right? The disciples mm-hmm. come back and it says that they're amazed he was speaking with a Samaritan woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's culturally for them. Like, what are you doing, right? Like, you should not do that. Well, the woman leaves. She goes back into the city and mm-hmm. she tells um, the men of the city, come and see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And then all the people come out of the city and, and they hear Jesus and, and a lot of them believe in him. Now yeah. this is okay. So this is interesting. so Jesus did. Some, he was so winsome to this lady in reaching out to her, even though he stood for truth, and even though he exposed kind of her like dirty secrets of her past, <laughs> she still was attracted to how he loved her and communicated with her and told her the truth. That she becomes an evangelist for the Messiah <laughs> before probably <laughs> she even understands and is is saved as as a believer, right? And so this is an interesting approach to me um, of how we can reach out to our LGBTQ neighbors. Um, Jesus always sought, no matter who he was talking to, he always sought to build relationships, right? I mean, I think of like, okay, so Matthew, right? One of the guys who wrote one of the Gospels. Remember what his profession was? He was a tax collector. A dirty tax collector, yeah. right? Well, what, what's the problem with being a tax collector? Well, a couple of things. Back then, the government's Rome. So you're a Jew working for this Gentile, pagan-worshipping, idol-worshipping government. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now that's a little bit of an issue and a conflict <laughs> of interest, right? But the other problem becomes that tax collectors, in order to pad their own pockets, would charge people an exorbitant amount of money that the government wasn't even demanding. They'd give the government what they needed, and then they'd keep the rest. Mm-hmm. So the tax collectors could extort people, and this is what was happening. That's why people hated tax collectors, because they worked for an unpure government, right? Jews are awaiting the Messiah to come and sit on the throne. And then on top of that, you're cheating your flesh and blood, your people, to get rich. Yeah. That's a dirty profession. It is. And yeah. Jesus asked one of those dudes to be his disciple? What? Like, that's pretty crazy, right? You remember when Jesus calls Matthew. He's a tax collector. He's, he's collecting taxes. And Jesus says, come and follow me. Matthew throws a party for Jesus at his house with all his tax collector friends. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, no, I don't want to be seen with those kind of people because I don't, I don't know what the church people will perceive. Oh, I don't know. I don't want my reputation being tarnished. You know, I want to stay away from the appearance of evil and I can't really hang out. No, he doesn't yeah, right. say any of that stuff. He goes and he parties with them. Yeah. He goes to where they're at, right? And I just think it's fascinating how Jesus will seek to um, build relationships with people no matter what type of sin, no matter what issues they have. Now, he always stands for truth as well, but he seeks yeah. relationships with people um, while never deviating from the truth, which I just think is awesome. Yeah, and what we we hear that a lot today is it's crazy. I think I think um, a lot of times we can even think that as Christians, as from what they were, those some of those arguments you brought up is like, mm-hmm. well, I don't want it to be perceived that like I'm associated with that sin. Yeah, nature. what do people think? Want... And if I go like here, here's the thing. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Yeah. And we know, we say that yeah. and we read it, but, like, think about that. When was the last time you hung out with a prostitute, Tyler? Never. Never. <laughs> well, and, like, in my yeah. mind, I'm like, I can't, as a pastor, I can't do that. I can't go down and talk with. And what will people yeah. think? It's not like Jesus' day was that different. Yeah. And people did think bad of him because of this, remember? They did, actually. They called yeah. him a drunkard and a glutton because he was hanging out with people, drinking wine and eating food, going to parties, hanging out with tax collectors. And what was his response? He'd say, Look, listen, the sick need a doctor, not the healthy people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? right? I don't care what your perception is. I'm going to go to where people really need me. Yeah. Um, and, man, yeah. I think that as Christians we've, we've got into this um, personal piety mode where we don't want anybody to think ill of us so we don't do what Jesus has called us to do in loving our neighbor, yeah, yeah. right? Man, I I, I should, and, and we're going to get into some practical tips we can do, but, man, I, I, I kind of feel guilty about not having homosexual people over to my house for dinner. Mm, yeah. I, should, I should be seeking to—that's the type of thing Jesus would do, right? Now, there's a thousand reasons people can think of to make excuses not to do that. But man, Jesus went into those places and he did that type of a thing um, because he was seeking to build relationships with messy people because messy people need God and messy people need the gospel. And that's what loving our neighbor looks like. It doesn't matter if they're dirty Samaritan, right? Dirty whatever your perception is. Plug in the person that you think is the lowest of the low. That's who you're called to go love. That is the way of Jesus. But the problem is fear gets in the way of building relationships with, with, with different people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that really controls us in a lot of ways. Um, now, here's the thing, though. I think that even controls the LGBT community. 
Like, do you think their friends would be cool if they had a pastor friend? If they'd be like, oh, that's cool. I don't think so. Actually, (laughs) you're right. No, no kidding. You're right. You're right. Because they they would see, I mean, pastors and like Christians are seen as like phrased as anti-LGBT. Yeah. So it's bigots or the enemy. And again, not, not, not all, not all, not all LGBT people are like that. I've met many who are not. But, but on the same side, I've met many Christians who aren't you know, uh, homophobic, afraid of homosexual people, right? Um, But there's this perception on both sides of this fear thing with, oh, man, no, can't be associated with that person. Oh, no, you can't because they're the enemy. They hate you. And we've made these these entities enemies when really there's individual people that are involved. Mm. Um, and, And, man, if you just sit across the table with someone and have a cup of coffee or eat a meal, Man, it breaks down barriers, and you can love yeah. people, and you can get to know them. Again, while disagreeing, but you can get to know people, and I think fear keeps us from making that first step towards people. Yeah, right. And that's, I think that happens both ways. That's good, and I, I think it's it's just a matter of loving all people, Robbie. Mm-hmm. I think it's I, I think it, this applies to to everybody. It's like it just um like like Mormons or. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jehovah's Witness or Muslims or uh, atheists or yep. just anybody in our community, we we should be reaching out to non-believers and people who are uh, who need Jesus in their life. Because yeah. and and I, the LGBT community community uh, that falls into this. It's uh, yes. you want we we need to be reaching out to all people, and that doesn't exclude them. It, it doesn't. doesn't exclude them, yeah. and I think that yeah, fear keeps us from reaching out. Yeah, yeah. Fear of, I mean, you know, plug in whatever fear it is. Fear of, I don't want people perceiving me a different way. I don't want people saying I'm backsliding. Um, Or fear of, I won't know what to say when they bring up this argument. Or fear of, I don't really know what Mormons think. (laughs) And how am I (laughs) going to share the truth? Fear of, I don't want to misrepresent Jesus. You know, there's all Mm. these types of fears that we use as excuses. Um, But Jesus says perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. And if if we go into to these situations seeking to love people, which means standing for truth and being gentle and being respectful and being kind, man, I think that that they can just change so much. Oh, I've yeah. seen I've seen it change. I've seen it change uh, so much. So, so how do we as Christians um, practically put what we see Jesus doing? into play in 21st century America when it comes to the LGBT community. Well, we've got some really good tips for you guys, uh, but before we get to that, right. I want to plug our Facebook group again, right, Tyler? Because right before that. The reason we want to keep pushing you to join our Facebook group is because we want to hear your thoughts on this. I'm sure there are many listeners out there who are doing an awesome job at loving the LGBTQ community while standing for biblical truth. And I want to hear what you guys have done. If you're a listener and there's there's things that you're doing, there's ways you've seen relationships built with people you disagree with, please get on the group and share with us because we want it to be a place where we all learn from each other so we can be better uh, Christians and more effective witnesses for Jesus. Mm, So Facebook, Search Christ Culture Coffee, like the group, and then uh, like our page, and then join the group of the insiders. We would love for you to get on there and be a part of the conversation. Yeah, and when you're on there, too, don't be afraid to uh, put a post on there of any questions or send us a direct message on uh, anything else that you want answered, any questions you have, or share testimonies with us of how you're applying apologetics, because we love to interact and to communicate with our followers. We really do. So please get on the Facebook group and interact with us uh, on there. 
All right. right. So, Tyler, what are some big points that we see uh, we can learn, we can glean from how Jesus interacted with the Samaritan woman? What do we see him doing? Yes. So, for one, Jesus went to them. He didn't wait until they came to him, right? He he went to the Samaritan woman. Yeah, he, he didn't wait till she came into Galilee. Mm-hmm. It was an active choice. He said he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew his intentions approaching the well. Yep. He he knew exactly what he he knew this woman's story too before he's even approaching there. I mean, yep. he's God, and then he gets there and he just like he un, he lays this out. So that's a very important point. Is that yeah that he went to to them. Yes. Now think about this. Okay. Most Jews during his time wouldn't go through that country, even though it was shorter to get to other parts of Israel. They'd go the long way around the Sea of Galilee, right? They'd go Mm -hmm. a long way. Jesus goes to where a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, now what does that mean for us? We probably should do that too. Yeah, well, practically, what do you, yeah. like, what, are, what are ways you've done this in your life? Or what are ways you, you want to do this, right? Like, how what does that look mm, like with, yeah. when it comes to the LGBT community? Well, As a Christian, what are places we should go that a lot of people are trying to avoid? Well, one thing for me is uh, I, I personally, I have um, gay and lesbian friends who I, I, I mean, I've, I, I've known them for a long time. And mm-hmm. I, I could, uh, my wife and I, we could go out of our way and hang out with them. Like, but we initiate and say, "Hey, you know what? We want to hang out with you. Yeah, do you want to do something? Like, I, I, like, and I think, and then that starts a conversation. Or I can go out with some with uh, one of my gay friends that I know about and yeah. then spark a conversation that way. But Tyler, that like, might look bad. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> if, that's the thing that you got to think about too. Um, it's like. If people genuinely ask you that, I think all it's also a witnessing testimony to the believer who questions why you're doing that. Yeah. Right. Because I think if someone's coming to you, if uh, if I have people in my uh, church community coming to me and saying, "Hey, we saw you hanging out with this this uh, homosexual person mm-hmm. or th- this lesbian," uh, <laughs> don't you think that like why were why were you doing that? If they question that, you just I think that that's a good opportunity to explain exactly to them why you're doing that. Say, mm-hmm. look, I, I was just loving them. I want them to know Jesus. I think that's what, a really what can great they, point. What can they say to that? You know, like exactly. Like, like, the thing is, is uh, honestly, if you're telling them, look, I was there to represent Christ, and that's what I was doing, and you mm-hmm. tell them that. I don't think they're going to doubt your intentions. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a learning opportunity yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly we are being a witness not only to them, but we're also being a witness and example to believers in our community. Right? When mm-hmm. we're doing that, it sets a precedence and like an example and says, "Look, if I can do it, you can do it too." Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I think that so often, as I mean, even as a pastor, right? Because there's so many right. people that know who I am, that, and I don't know who they are. Because there's a lot of people at the church, and I'm up on stage, and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like this, you live in a fishbowl almost as a pastor. And so, oh, you got to be really careful about where people see you and this, you know, depending on, you know, what, which denomination you're in, the list of legalism is different. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, but that's true. A, a kind of a mantra I live by is this, I, I would way rather offend Christians than non-Christians. Yeah. Right. I'd way rather offend Christians than non-Christians. I'd way rather be like Jesus and go out of my way to hang out with prostitutes and tax collectors, even though the religious people think that that's a dumb idea. Well, I mean, think I'm about fine it. with it. Didn't Jesus offend the Jews? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, like so. I think if Jesus can offend the Jews by like through doing his ministry, mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad for us to be offending Christians. Yeah. Uh, not intentionally, wanna, yeah, but, uh, but as we live biblically. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you're not going to want to intentionally offend people. But yeah, yep. if you're living 
a life after Christ example. Yep. Y- you would you would care about the truth before you would care about <laughs> basically people having being offended. Yep. Basically. Well, okay, now yeah. let's push the envelope a little here. Are you right. ready? Let's do it. Okay, so Jesus went to them. He went to Samaria. He went up to Matthew and called him to be a disciple. Then he went to Matthew's house that was probably built with money that he cheated people out of. Mm-hmm. Right? And the the food and the drink was probably bought with money he cheated people out of. And there was a bunch of other tax collectors there. Jesus went into those types of places. Should we go to gay pride parades? You know what? I That's think a tough question, actually, right? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I my answer, I would say yes. Okay. And this is why. I would say go, do not participate. Okay. By, but what I mean by that is you go there, and I think I think that could be a great technique to, I mean, like a, a, an opportunity is what I'm saying, to go be a, be a bystander to it and have discussions with people about it. Okay. Now, again... I don't know what I think, to be honest. I, yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking through this issue for a while. C- couple of things, um, you know. I don't. I don't know if you've seen a lot about what goes on at some gay pride um, parades. I, I but have. They're, yeah. they're not wholesome right. in yeah. any way, yeah. right? They're pretty, pretty, pretty provocative. Um, so there's that aspect to it. But mm-hmm. but the the other side of it is, man. I've thought, and again, I, I haven't landed on where what I think about exactly doing this. But like, how could we go there? And love people the way Jesus loved this woman yeah. um, without condoning their behavior and what the parade stands for. Like, right. am I a participant yeah. just because I'm present is the question I've been thinking about. Yeah, And, yeah. like, could, could we, like, I don't know, man. Like, again, well, yeah, I'm not saying does. we do this. But right, as, right, right. As, as Christ culture and coffee, mm-hmm. do we get a booth of iced coffee at a gay parade Right, because it's hot out, and hand out ice waters and right. love well, people. I I don't know. Yeah, well, I think I think too that it depends on your presidents. In my opinion, I, this is purely what I think. Honestly, I, I think that you can. There is a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Except I think it, it matters on how you carry yourself when you're there. Because if you if you open up immediately, like like the booth might not even be a big deal. But honestly, I already know based on how I'm see I've seen a lot of this happening. You could likely get some people that get offended. By uh, by like you saying certain things sure. to them because what happens is if they're if they're partaking in the parade, mm-hmm. obviously this is a somewhat of a protest sure. in a way you could call it that so by by being there and having an opposing view and talking to them about mm-hmm. it. So it, I think it all matters on and depends on how you carry yourself and well, the people you're talking to. And maybe and this is the other thing. To, yeah. to, to be effective, you need to build relationships with people over a yeah. long period of time. So maybe going to an event like that, while it would be you know seeking to show love while standing for truth, maybe it's not the most effective way to yeah, help yeah. people whereas more of an individual friendship would be better. But yeah. it's it's just yeah. we need to think we need to think about these things and the ways of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um I I just he he went to where they were at. Yeah, and, and, and that's know, that's something yeah. that a lot of, a lot of times as Christians we will love them if they come into our church, mm-hmm. but Jesus wasn't waiting for the Samaritan woman to come into the temple. Yeah. He went right. to where she was at in her daily life. Mm. And he loved her right there. Yeah, and that's an important thing thing to think about too. And also remembering if uh, back oh, like with this question is if you are going to that event, is it to uh, is it to get people to change their sin pattern before they even know Jesus? Or are you yeah. focusing on like, look, we need them to know Jesus? First, and that's, the, that's that's the goal. Yeah. People need the gospel number one, no matter what issues they're dealing with. Yeah, the gospel's got to be primary. That's that's the deal. But people don't. 
want the gospel unless they can see the gospel lived out. They yeah, need so to see I somebody see, loving them like Jesus would. Yeah, so I could see how, yeah, that, that would be a problem. Because uh, the thing is, if you're if you're going to the, to the Pride Parade, basically, just as a way of sharing with them about homosexuality and, like, scripture and mm-hmm. that, like, basically debating with them, I... I don't know if that's the best. I don't tactic. think so either. Yeah, yeah I think. I but think if you're going go- to develop relationships yeah. over the long yeah, time, maybe. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think yeah, that's a great tactic. Go to, yeah. going to those events and talking to them, becoming friends with them, and saying, "Look, I want to hear what you have to say. Like, what are you standing up for? Like, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me about it." But yeah, I want to hear your yeah, side of the I wanna, story. I want to yeah. know what's happening. Like, what have you been through personally as a um, a gay or lesbian? Like, mm-hmm. what what. What have you had to deal with in your life? Like, or even asking them, what, what, yeah. what has has the church done something specifically to you? Have Christian people mistreated Actually, you? That's a great tactic. It's a great yeah. tactic to take. See, look, but, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm coming out here because I want to. I want to discuss this with you. Like, I, mm-hmm. have you felt that the church is hurt you? You could ask things like that. It's, it's against yeah. you as a human being. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and that leads into our second point. So, so Jesus right, we went to where they were. Mm-hmm. The second thing we see is Jesus treated them with dignity and worth because he knew they were human beings created in the image of God. Yeah. He didn't ridicule Matthew. Uh, you think of Zacchaeus too, right? Like he was a tax collector. <laughs> he didn't ridicule Zacchaeus. That's right. Um, he doesn't ridicule the woman at the well for her sin. He doesn't ignore either. He doesn't turn a blind eye or, you know, stare at his phone or his iPad. I guess he didn't have those. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but when, when, when this woman comes to the well, right, he could have just ignored her. But he didn't. He initiates the conversation. That's he right. engages with her. And he treats her in a way uh, of dignity and respect that her own culture wasn't even tre- treating her as because she had to go there mm, a different yeah. time of day, right? She was ostracized. Jesus treats people with dignity and respect. And so – the first two points, Jesus went to where they were, and mm-hmm. Jesus treated them as a human being with dignity. Right. Those, those are the first steps. If you're not doing those, nobody's going to hear what you have to say ever. Mm-hmm. Right? No, that's right. That's right. That's, that's how people need to receive the gospel. They need to see you coming out and being vulnerable to them. They, yep. like, it, that's, I mean, think about it. It's, think about it from their perspective and try to like kind of empathize with how you would feel if you were in that position. And uh, if someone who disagrees with you mm-hmm. comes to you and, and they start like just listing off the reasons why you're wrong, are mm-hmm. you, you going to be willing to listen to them? Never. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I think I would be more willing to listen to the person who comes to me and starts a conversation with me in a loving and like gracious manner. And it's mm-hmm. like, look, I just I just want to understand where you're coming from. Or even who develops a relationship with me over months yeah, or years. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing that when, whenever people are accosted by somebody and, you know, they're just yelled at, you're going to hell or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. there's that common phrase people will say, who do they think they are, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the funny thing about it is, is it's, what's more important is who do you think they are? Because if, if, if you don't see this person as somebody who cares about you, you do not care about what they're saying. Yeah. So the first right. step we've got to do, we got to go to where people are like Jesus did. We got to treat them with dignity and respect, not, not in, only in hopes that they'll become a Christian. Obviously, that's what you want. You want them to believe the truth. But we're supposed to love our neighbor. It doesn't say love your Christian neighbor. Mm-hmm. It says right. love your neighbor. We're supposed to go love people. And so I think that those two steps are, are vital for us if we're ever going to get a hearing about what we think or about why we think what they're doing is harmful behavior. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And so that's 
Yeah, so so let's go into the third point. Mm-hmm. Um, the third point, so Jesus, number one, Jesus went to them. Number two, Jesus treated them with dignity and respect. Number three, Jesus spoke the truth. Yeah. Right? And, and, and again, like we just said, if, if you, if you want to have an opportunity to speak the truth and you want people to be able to receive it, mm-hmm. you have to have actually loved them and developed a relationship with them. Yeah, and you'll know when it's time to to share the truth with them and to mm-hmm. be upfront about it. It's in those time, times after you've, like, you've gotten them to know you and understand, like, look, you know what? They care about me. Mm-hmm. This person knows what's best for me. I mean, like, they want what's best for me. Yep. And they're, you can see that they're more receptive to listening. Those are, like, kind of the key factors in there that you'll see, like, people will want to discuss with you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so this is where we want our listeners to, to join in on the conversation on Facebook and tell us, okay, so how have you gone to where they've, they are? Yes. How do you show dignity and respect and love? And how do you stand for truth? Because um, there's so many different ways we can do this, you know. But I think that I do think this is where the church struggles because mm-hmm. people agree. Okay, I believe it's wrong. I believe it's harmful. I believe we're supposed to love people. What do we do? Right? Yeah. And so, like yeah. we were saying, like thinking through. Okay, you know, maybe the gay pride thing is the gay pride parade is a is is good for some people, but you know that might be tough for some others. And you know what, you can't. You, I wouldn't recommend taking kids to something like that, mm, right? Yeah. So, so what are other things we can do? And I, I just, I have a few things that I've heard of people doing, and, and a couple things that I've done. Um, one of the things that that uh, my wife and I had been a part of, we're not anymore because the ministry kind of changed a little. Mm. But there was a uh, local group in in Tempe, and they were the only evangelical group in the state that reached out to. Uh, people that have been infected with HIV. Mm, right. So again, a lot of them, you know, some were drug <coughs> users, but a lot of them were homosexuals. And so this ministry, uh, really cool, man, they put together food boxes for HIV shut-ins um, because a lot of times what happens in the gay community is once you get HIV, you're kind of ostracized because you're worthless. Mm-hmm. A lot like the woman at the well. You know, you're, you're, pushed, you're pushed aside. And so um, because you're, you're not good for somebody's pleasure anymore because they don't want to get infected. You're a pariah. Right. And so this group in Tempe, man, they, they get food. They put food boxes together. They deliver them to people who are shut in, who are suffering from this disease. Um, but they'd also, once a month, they would have a, a, a dinner, an event. It was kind of like youth group for people who have HIV. Oh, wow. Um, and so I'd go and serve at that. And I'd take my kids. I uh, take my wife, and we'd go, and we'd we'd prepare the food. We had other people here from the church who wanted to go, and we'd we'd you know divvy up. Okay, you bring the tortillas. We're going to bring the the meat. You're going to bring the guacamole, whatever. And uh, we'd go down there, and we'd set up, and we'd serve them, and we'd love them, and we'd sit at their tables, and we'd talk to them, and we'd listen to their stories. Mm. Um, and these people who who a lot of them had nobody else because they've been ostracized, right? Yeah. And um, then the the guy who's leading it, you know, he'd share. The gospel, we'd sing a few worship songs. But, man, you just talk about a tangible way to love the LGBT community because yeah. because they're lonely at that stage once once they have HIV and it's progressing. I know the guy who, who did it, you know, a lot of people he ministered to have died of HIV mm-hmm. because that's what that's what it does. Yeah, it's horrible. And so I think that that was, for, for me and Kelly, that was a real practical way we could show love to a community of people that we disagree with. Yeah, that's that's a great example. It was good, like man. That. I wish it was still going on, but mm-hmm. but again, looking for opportunities like that, and it was something we could take our kids to, right? And yeah, my kids would yeah. ask, "Why why are we helping these people?" Well, because they're sick. 
well, why are they sick? Mm, well, yeah. be, because they, they chose not to listen to what God said, and, and there's consequences to that, and it's sad, and it's devastating. We need to love people and help them know Jesus, right? I mean, yeah, it's such a great yeah. opportunity uh, to talk with our kids. So so you, you've you got some homosexual friends. So what are some things you've done? What are some ways, Tyler, that you've loved, reached out to, shared truth with yeah. um, the LGBT community? Yeah, well, um, for, for example, I mean, I, I have a few friends that I've— I've been in touch with since like for for years that I've been in that are homosexual and it's kind of interesting honestly for me it's always been about being their friend first and then like and then hearing what they have to say and opening like cuz once you take that first step into like the relationship with them mm-hmm. you can you can start to just pour truth into their life and then you see see that they like I have a couple friends of mine. So this is specifically what I've done. For me, it's more of a personal level. That's been my interaction with uh, um, homosexual uh, homosexual friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's it's honestly they've come to this point where I've known them for so long, where they trust my opinion. Where I I have taken multiple opportunities where we we would sit in a, a car or. Um, just like anytime we'd be hanging out, I've, I've gone out to lunch with them before and we've just discussed like, Hey, um, uh, what do you, like, what do you think about this passage? Like this mm-hmm. is how scripture says. And, um, a couple of them actually, uh, it was great. Like they, they're actually like believers and they're processing and like dealing mm. with the, these internally. And so it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of crazy to see. And then I also have other friends on the other side of it who it's like, they, they are believers, grew up in a Christian home, but then uh, went off and got married to someone of the same, same gender. Mm-hmm. And, but then they start to defend scripture uh, with it and say, no, the Bible says that this is, uh, that this is okay. And it's yeah. just a matter of like, it, it's just a matter for me of like sharing with saying like, no, well, this is what scripture says. And, you know, like just being more vulnerable with them, but they know, yeah. honestly, if you just know, uh, if you know them beforehand and you talk to them and you, they know your intentions are because you love them and you care mm-hmm. about them. It, it's a whole different story than just um, finding some person at a pride parade to yell and, at. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. know, you know, it's a it's a big deal, and that's how that's where real change comes from. That's how Jesus changed hearts. He yep. he met up with them in person. And he got to know them. And he listened uh, to them. And he listened to them. That's yeah. that's very important. So that's I, good. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my personal way of reaching out to it. And then mm-hmm. honestly, Robbie, this also convicts me too personally because I I want to do more. I really mm-hmm. do. I want to. I think I think there's always room to do more and like well, to find ways to interact. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things I've thought about yeah. for a while is a great apologetic is how you love people. Yeah, And right. this is what I mean by it. Um, the, I've heard um, so many people, you know, whether it comes to the pro-life issues or whether it comes mm-hmm. to homosexuality or whatever, um, they'll say, yeah, Christians have these beliefs and stances, but they don't do anything about mm-hmm. it, right? <clears throat> and so people will say, you know, to me, um, you're against homosexuality. You don't love homosexuals. And I can say, I, to- I totally love homosexuals, right? Mm-hmm. And then the question's going to be like, you all, all you Christians, you know, you just say you love them, but what do you mean by that? And I can say, well, I go down and I, and I serve them dinner and I use my own money to buy the food and I listen to them and I talk with them, I hang out with them, I bring my kids to get to know them. I, I mean, yeah. I, actu- I actually love them. I'm not, it's not just words, right? Yeah, yeah. And our actions, like Jesus going to Samaria and talking this, with this woman, that had an impact on that whole town. Right, yeah. Our actions are a really big apologetic, not just having an that's, argument. That's important. Yeah, I think so. And I think, so I think, 
We need to think through how we can engage with this community better, how we can go to them, how we can show respect and dignity to them as human beings, and how we can stand for mm. truth. One of my friends, <clears throat> um, he, uh, <laughs> he's got a pretty cool ministry, um, <clears throat> but he went up to this bar and grill and uh, was talking with uh, the lady uh, at the bar. She's getting him some food and stuff. And he, he uh, said so he was talking to her, having a good conversation. And then this other lady came in and sat next to him and was talking with the the, the waitress bartender. And she said um, he, he found out that they were married, lesbians. Oh, okay. Yep. And you know he that you know whatever. I'm still gonna talk. I'm still gonna hang out and be kind. And so yeah, they're right, talking, right. laughing, and joking. And <laughs> then one of them says, "So what do you do?" And, and he's a pastor. And he said, yeah. I thought about saying, well, I'm a retired cop because he is a retired cop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, but I knew the only reason I was saying that was so they wouldn't um, think badly of me. Yeah. And I didn't want to stand up for who I was. And so I thought, nah, I'm just going to have to say I'm a pastor. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, I'm a pastor. I teach at a local Christian college. I do some church planting. And he said, he said the bartender was was still nice and, and cordial with him. But the but the lady sitting next to him kind of right away, he could tell. Oh, walls up, right? Mm-hmm. I know where you're coming from. I don't want to have a relationship with you. And he was sitting there and he said he was praying. He's like, Lord, did I just blow it? Like, should I have... <laughs> I said I was a retired cop because I want I want to love I want to love these ladies and I want them to know who you are right mm, yeah and he said he sat there for a while and he thought about what he could do and he said okay I got it and he called the different waitress over and he said hey listen she needs some drinks she needs some food whatever she wants hey it's on me get her whatever she wants and so the lady orders and that <laughs> opens up a relationship and talk about a change of perspective yeah because yeah. <laughs> he showed yeah, yeah. I care about you and so he said they had a good conversation for over an hour and eventually they even started asking okay so church planning like what does that mean like what do you do <laughs> so then they care- cared and they're like hey you're nice to us so exactly. you know what I'm gonna care about what you are, what you're saying to me that's exactly important. <laughs> okay that's and cool he goes to places like that like Jesus did yeah. Going to where people are, going to where these people are, and engaging them and loving them while still standing I for like truth, that. right? That's great. And so there's so many different ways we can do it, but we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to go and love our neighbor intentionally, not mm. just let it happen, but go and love our neighbors intentionally. Well, well that's a that's honestly I, I can I can empathize with that pastor's scenario a little bit there myself. Because I've coincidentally I've even I've had similar conversations with people where um, Mm-hmm. Um, where, where I've, cause, cause I'm going into uh, to ministry. So when, when people are asking me, they're like, oh, what's your major? Uh, I'm like, uh, uh, but it's someone who like, i I'm in the middle of a th- like theological discussion with, or a little, uh-huh. like cultural issue discussion. And, uh, th- that comes up. Sometimes it, it is a little intimidating to like in those situations be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to school for ministry, but I mean, <laughs> but I still say it. And I know that like, uh, yeah, like I'm proud of like that I'm proud of the fact that like I'm trying to go to school to serve the Lord, but it's like uh, when you when you're in the moment and doing the work in ministry, it's like mm-hmm. I mean, and talking to people about it, and it comes up in conversation. I can see how that'd be intimidating, but honestly, that's a really good example though that you just gave of that of that retired cop who now yeah. pastor, and that's who, a way we can do it. Can, yeah, that's great, and that, like I think that's a really good way to do that, and that, like. If you talk about it and bring that, bring it up in that way, and you see those walls come up, 
try to do what Jesus did and offer them some, like be vulnerable with them. That's mm-hmm. and that's why I think that cop did there. He yeah, he was have vulnerable a relationship with them. and show them I care about you as yeah, a person, dignity, yeah. respect. Well, that's I think that's also something that, that shows that they care about him to where he was fine with saying, look, you know what, I will sacrifice some of my money. Yeah. In my time to to pay for whatever this person wants to care order because I care about you. Yes. And I want to get to know you. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I, it's I awesome. think that's great. That's a that's a really cool real life example of how to represent the Lord. Yep. Another uh um story that I know of comes to mind. There was this lady, uh there she's not dead, she's alive. Her name's Rosaria Butterfield. Mm, okay. Okay. Um she was um, the head of, uh, I think, feminist and queer studies at Syracuse University, PhD. Mm, yeah. You know, she was married uh, to a lesbian, had a lesbian partner. Um, this is her life. <laughs> she lived next to a retired Presbyterian pastor and his wife. Right. And they loved their neighbor, and they started making her bread and taking it over. Hey, we made some bread for you. Here you go. And that developed... Over time, and number one, it was really good bread too. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't junk. It was <laughs> that's good. good. That's good. And uh, th- that developed over time to where they say, "Hey, you want to come over for dinner?" She'd go over for dinner. And now, okay, okay, you're a retired pastor. You believe in Jesus, yeah, yeah. But you're but you're nice to me, and you know who I am, and you know, yeah, I am. I'm nice to you. I, I love you. But so you're okay with my lifestyle? Oh no, no, I don't think it's good. I think it's harmful. <laughs> <laughs> but you're nice to me. Yeah, yeah. you got it. And this, this, this old couple <laughs> yeah. just showed her love. And I think she, it, she wrote a book, and it's called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Um, uh, and it's by Rosaria Butterfield. Hmm. And um, it's it's kind of her, her autobiography of how she converted and her thought process and what went on to change her mind. And it was this couple that planted the seed of love. And so yeah. she started seeking out, okay, what is Jesus really about? Who is he? And she came to a place to believe in the Lord. Yeah. And uh, she's a Christian now. She's married to a man who's a pastor. Um, crazy story. And it's all yeah. because this couple made her bread. And well, well, think about it too. Like, honestly, that's, that's really, I mean, that's what people in general are after is love. But yeah. lesbians, uh, like, Homosexuals, they they are seeking love because That's what they're seeking. The problem yes. is they're they're not they're not fully being satisfied in the current love. Uh, like, <laughs> and what's happening is like we're seeing statistically like these How relationships often they break up. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're, like they're it's falling apart, and it, the lifestyle is harmful to them. And it's they're but really what they're after is love. And so when mm-hmm. when we go out of our way and we show them love, that it, which is what they've been after, it's like it's. I, I, I'm, I bet you it's refreshing to them to see, like, look, someone yes. cares about me, and not only that, you disagree with me. They disagree with me, and they don't care about me because of what I'm doing for them. Yeah, and they that's— They care that's, about me for some other reason. That's a and, really good testimony. And we do that because we want to introduce them to the God who is love. Yes. How selfish is it to know the God of the universe and not go to a different part of town or go to a restaurant you don't usually go to— because you don't want to be seen, you know, in a in a uh, you know a seedy, unkind, you know, place that might make other people look down on you. <laughs> How unloving is it to withhold the God who is love from people who are seeking love? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's convicting. Um, and again, not that we have to accept what's being done because what's being done is harmful to human beings. And to really love them, we got to stand up for truth. But man, why don't we go out of our way? to go love people where they're at. Jesus yeah. loved me where I was at. He came to this planet that we messed up. 
-hmm. came to to my mess to show me how much he loves me. Can't I go into other people's mess to show him how much Jesus loves them? Right. I mean, and so, so however we do that, whatever we do, but we got to get a plan together. We got to be intentional about this to go out and to show people that we really do care about them and, and that Jesus cares about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And that, so uh, I think, I think this really helps out with sorting through different tactics, honestly, on how we should be reaching out to the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. It's, uh, it's just important to remember that we should be following after Jesus' example, and that's, that's by being vulnerable and opening up and loving them and listening to them mm-hmm. and then st- standing for truth. I, I think that's, that's huge. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, th- to recap the three principles we saw of Jesus in John chapter 4, he went to where they were, he mm-hmm. treated people with dignity and respect, and he stood for truth. And I think if we can do those three things, man, we could be very, very effective for Jesus in this world, especially mm. with this issue. So um, if, if you have practical ways that you've loved, reached out to, shown care for the LGBT community, please get on that Facebook group and share. We'd love to hear what you've done and how God's been leading you to love uh, this community. Yes, please do that. Yep. All right. But it's the end of the podcast, and we promised a coffee tip. Yes, we did. Yes. So we've got a coffee tip here, and it's kind of an odd one. Um, it, but I think it's kind of funny, but I don't know if I'd ever try it. Um, we've got this thing about different, different ways of drinking coffee from all around the world. And this way comes from Finland, and it's called Café Yost. And what it is is it, it's odd, but it's not odd. So uh, a lot of us add dairy products to our coffee, right? Yeah, Cream, right. Cream, milk. There's, you know, uh, people even add um, butter for bulletproof coffee. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Well, in certain parts of Scandinavia and in Finland uh, specifically, they put cheese in their coffee. Right. Cheese, <laughs> Tyler. It's a specific kind of cheese, cheese. and it's, it's called cafe ost, which means coffee you cheese. Know, it's I, created to be that. Yeah, and uh, that's that's really interesting because I love the taste of cheese, but then thinking about blending it with coffee is a little strange. <laughs> well, they say, uh, reading through this a little bit, it says that it's it's a firm, mild tasting cheese, and so it it's really creamy and it, it takes on kind of a sweet mm. flavor when you put it into the coffee. Okay. It says so. It doesn't sound horrible, but just the idea of but putting you know cheese in your coffee. I'm curious. I'd like to try it. I'd like to try, but I w- I'd seat. like to get that specific kind. I can't imagine getting like a yeah. slice of American cheese and then wrapping it <laughs> in plastic and throwing it in your oh, latte. Oh, here, maybe I'll have a little uh, mozzarella coffee Ooh, today. cheddar, cheddar mocha. Mm, delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Black pepper jack. Here we go. <laughs> Let's oh. go. Okay. But if you're ever in Finland, you got to try Cafe Ost, cheese in your coffee. Yeah. Uh, sounds very cool. interesting. I'd like to try it, but definitely have to get that kind of specific cheese. <laughs> cool. Well, well, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Again, our goal is to equip Christians to be confident in their faith and to be able to defend their faith. That's why we're here. Defending your faith and being confident in what you believe is our goal. And so we hope that this, this podcast has been helpful, and we'd love to hear practical ways that you're intentionally reaching out to the LGBT community. Yes, please go ahead and send us any testimonies or uh, any ways that you've applied apologetics. We love hearing uh, feedback from how you guys have been interacting with uh, the community around you and sharing the gospel and representing the Lord. Yep, and we'll be back next week to start our series on why God allows evil. Stay tuned to that, and we'll see you next week. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.